Welcome to the All Terrain Archive, a cycling podcast brought to you by Gravier Cycle Collective. I'm Griffin Knight and I'm joined by my co-host Matthew Bird to bring you the inside stories of the sport. Today we're speaking to James Raisin, one of South Australia's most prolific cycling personalities. From YouTube and route curation to bikepacking trips and photography, James is an ambassador for the sport in all areas. We're speaking to James about his journey in cycling and what inspires him to create the volume of work he's able to put out. James has a story that starts with a bad hangover and ends with a complete obsession with the sport. We're excited to share his story with you, so tune in. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the All Terrain Archive and uh, today we've got James Raisin on board. Um, we're here in Adelaide and we are talking to the man behind Ride Adelaide. Thank you very much for having me. I am, I am honoured to be here for your first ever episode. If there's one thing the internet ne- needs, it's more of me. <laughs> indeed, I'm, indeed. Um, James, uh, Let's, let's get straight into it. Yeah. Um, we're going to conduct an interview for you guys, for your listeners today. Um, so yeah, give us a brief background on who you are outside of bikes. Uh, a very brief background, I would say I am a nerd. That is the one consistent thing that's happened throughout my entire life to now. So I think you can just measure it through different things I've been a nerd about. But outside of, outside of bikes, uh, there's not that much outside of bikes because so much of what I do is involved in it. But I work for a great local company that does aerial imagery and flies planes and takes wicked photos, builds 3D models. Um, and other than that, it's mostly bikes. So, yeah. Wow. And how did you get started with bikes? Where did you start with in the beginning? Well, I, I generally tell the people that it started with a, a very, very savage hangover, which is technically, technically true. So... Uh, When I was about 18, I woke up uh, with a very, very bad hangover next to a bottle of vodka in the bed, you know, one of those sort of things. And uh, I was was very late to work. So I had to do the only thing that I could, which was drag drag my bicycle out of the shed, which I had since I was about 13, rode that to work, managed to survive the day. And that's literally where it started. From then on, whenever I was going somewhere, I was uh, on a bike and that's continued. (laughs) That's that's. Inspiring, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, perhaps where a lot of good careers start. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do 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 bikes, kids. Don't uh, don't drink too much. Just cut out the middle step. <laughs> did you uh, did you study at uni or yes? What did you study? So I did a degree in international studies and an honors honors year in uh, political sciences. Wow, that's, yeah, that's impressive. So <laughs> hence the your ability to speak well. I think comes from that. That experience perhaps? yeah yeah maybe yeah that yeah. <laughs> no, was uh, it was yeah that was a fun thing it was basically uh nothing will put you off working in politics like studying it that's for sure uh, so going back to the cycling obviously mm. from the hangover yeah progressed to something more serious yep and um, we've seen you do some fairly impressive stuff over the years oh, thank you from everestings to various com hunting Mm-hmm. to ultra endurance bike packing racing briefly yes briefly we've done a bit of bike packing uh, together we have um talk us through getting more serious about it uh well i guess that like you know being a person who as a, as a self-identified nerd as i did at the top of the podcast that'll be a very nice thread going through it 
you know, it was always just looking for, you know, ways to get better, ways to improve. But I think really a lot of it was that when I first started, I guess the other piece of information that was missing was that I was very overweight and unhealthy. And kind of through this journey of just riding bikes, like the, the feeling that I got from gradually getting better and getting faster and, and going further was, you know, it just kept me going. And it was just this amazingly freeing experience. It was something that kind of really became connected to the feeling of having truly transformed from where I was to sort of where I am now. So, you know, it was just uh, all of that. So going from that, um, something that makes you stand out from all the other people in the cycling industry and world is your involvement in the media side of things. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned when we were having a chat for the podcast that you sat on the citizens jury for mm -hmm. cycling safety. Mm -hmm. What did that experience um, give you? And how did you get into the media side of cycling from there? Yeah, so I guess the uh, for, for anyone who's not aware, the South Australian government had a citizens jury where they basically wanted to find ideas on how to make cycling safer. And the citizens jury was made up of a sort of cross-section of South Australian society where they got everyone from diverse age background, you know, geolocation around Adelaide. And they basically said, you know, we want you guys to find ways to, to get, you know, cycling safer. And, you know, we... I was a keen cyclist at the time and what really struck me was how that whole world sort of views cycling through safety, advocacy and a lot of the things that aren't really a part of sort of the joy of cycling. So you kind of, you know, you're talking about traffic accidents and people getting hurt and injured and all these sort of things and, and that really made me want to get on board with making content that just presented cycling as it was to me, which was something that was transformative and joyful and a lot of fun. So the first thing I did, I bought a Garmin Verb Edit camera, which was a terrible action camera back then. And I just started making, uh, making YouTube videos and I stuck to what I knew. So the first topic was um, hardest climbs around Adelaide. Videos which people still watch and will approach me and ask me about, which really freaks me out because those videos are really terrible. And we'll um, link them in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely link to those in the show notes. That's, if I want to be known for one thing, it's those videos. Um, and I guess from there, the progression was that, you know, I, started, I was making videos. I started writing and getting them published anywhere that was willing to. Eventually, I worked my way into uh, a website, La Velo Cheetah, uh, based out of Melbourne. And yeah, it's all just kind of kept going. I've done freelance writing, freelance journalism. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff published in a lot of places. So it's, yeah, it's just something that I've never really stopped doing. Yeah. So with the, the citizens jury, how, how many people were on that? Ooh, I reckon it was about 25 or 30 roughly. Yeah. And they were, were they all cyclists? Or? No, there were maybe three or four, three or four people who rode regularly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was a stacked room. You know, not against cycling, but it was a room stacked with non-cyclists for whom a lot of what was learned was completely new information. Yeah. Okay. So then you're, you're in there and you've, you've had this experience like, of, you know, I've taken the bike from just a commuter and then it's, it's become, you know, an adventure machine. It's become a bit Lifestyle. transformative. Yeah. Like yeah. you said, and, and then you've gone and no one else in there knows that feeling mm -hmm. right yeah wow yeah so that's that's i guess where that comes from you've just gone right 
let's find as many people to spread this this sort of idea to absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean it's obviously utility cycling has is hugely important in a lot of places but i think that to, to even get people on bikes like just showing them the fun and the enjoyment and the way it can change your life is was to me was something that was really lacking from that whole process yeah 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 and that's it especially here in Adelaide. um you know it's it's all well and good to talk about owning a bike to get to the city mm -hmm. but at the same time there's so many parklands and yeah you know parks that we can get out into yeah most people unfortunately probably don't realize that yeah yeah that that is a, what the, something that you can do on a bike yeah so, yeah yeah i think it's easy to live in adelaide not ride bikes and not realize how good adelaide is for riding bikes and all the experiences that you can have here it's it's incredible yeah yeah 100 percent. and you know these people now that with the COVID, um i guess bike boom i suppose that we're seeing mm. you know that they've they've realized that when you take away activities that require um team sport of driving mm -hmm. you know then they will there's there's this park right next to them mm -hmm. that they never knew had trails in it for cycling yeah um whether you know that's not just um obviously from my background that'd be me referring to a mountain bike path yeah but also you know knowing that there's the bmx track down mm -hmm. the road or velodrome mm. um or even just the bike path that takes yeah. you to the beach or something like that yeah yeah so i remember when covid sort of first started kicking off here i went for a ride and norton summit was full of people who didn't really look like they were regular cyclists these were people with you know hybrid bikes casual clothes and, I, and it was brilliant seeing it straight away you know gyms had closed down as well and people were just going like well what have i got that i can keep using and a lot of them turned to bikes so the hope is that people stuck with it yeah and that that's pretty cool i guess you know you, you've got your youtube videos out there you, you know you've got norton summit you've got <laughs> yeah i do yeah all the climbs <laughs> how many people do you think took on the hardest climbs in adelaide uh, quite a few quite a lot the number of people who either message me or tell me later that like they had no idea that a lot of roads you know little roads like cherryville or coach road these just savage you know there's no reason to go on those roads unless you live on it for most of the time a lot of people will like message me and still say like ah oh, that was the first time i'd done it i found it through your videos and it was awesome or terrible uh, so talking about trail again uh -huh. um you did diversify into the off-road side of things yeah um and i remember going for a gravel ride with james many years ago um where we t went down a hill and <laughs> we lost james <laughs> allegedly he took a wrong turn um, yeah we're still pretty sure he was eaten by a bear yeah but i fought it off <laughs> tell us more about getting into gravel and off-road well i think that like gravel you know that there's a point where i think road cycling particularly if you've been doing it in the same city for a number of years you just start to look for for different experiences and and different things you know you don't i didn't feel like i needed to keep treading the same routes all the time uh, but when i first got into gravel riding it was like everything was new again basically where you had completely new areas you had you know new gear which is always good fun to get your head around and just a really new and different way to enjoy fundamentally the same activity um, also just quieter roads you know i very few things give me more pleasure than just like getting a group of friends and going for a, a gravel ride and having one or two cars pass you every hour or two hours like that that is just the best it's just the best time on a bike 
And then that led you into off-road bikepacking, mm-hmm. which brings us to the Mawson Trail. Yeah. Um, what's one tip you'll give anyone looking to do the Mawson Trail? Uh, uh, the, I'd say that the tip is to... Uh, just one? That's... Uh, uh, top three. Top three. Okay, top three. Um, okay, the first one would be get the biggest tyres you can that can still clear a little bit of mud in the frame. So big as you can, but with a little bit of clearance. Uh, tubeless, tubeless tires. And I think the third thing is just like, don't be afraid to make the Mawson Trail whatever you want it to be. If you want to sleep in a tent, then go for it. If you want to sleep in a town, if you want to do it in you know two months, you know, great. If you want to do it in three days, great. You know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that the trail is so accessible and how it, you know, it passes through towns regularly. You're remote, but you're not, you know, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. So, you know, don't feel like it's, a, it's something that's owned by the ultra or hardcore scene. You know, make it whatever you want. I'm going to make that one my number one, actually, after I bored everyone with talk about tyres. <laughs> <laughs> so, just for reference, the, the Mawson Trail, um, mm. we're, we're here in Adelaide, mm-hmm. South Australia. Mawson Trail, give us a quick overview. So I think the Mawson Trail came about, I think it was designed roughly in the 90s and it runs from the sort of suburbs of Adelaide all the way to uh, Wilpena Pound, which is up in the Flinders Ranges. It's about 920 kilometres mixed terrain. So I'd say probably 20% tarmac uh, and then the rest is, you know, everything from gravel road, single track in a few places, like just everything and it's just incredible and you cover a lot of sort of geography because you go basically uh, south north to north or north to south so there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different types of terrain and yeah it's just it's signposted it's easy to navigate you go through towns a lot so it's become a real boom of a trail for south australia particularly in covid people have gone crazy because they can't can't go overseas so yeah people love it so the Mawson Trail also finishes at a really good pub in Blinman uh-huh. where if you need dietary requirements, as we learned, the chef is happy to throw something together for you randomly at a set price. And cold beer is always appreciated at the end of the Mawson Trail. Yes, the last sign actually points you directly into the bar of the, uh, of the Blinman pub. So, you know, it'd be rude not to. Truly rude not to. Yeah, so with the Mawson Trail, we're talking about the trail goes um, here in Adelaide, South Australia, starts in Adelaide and then goes north, or if you want to do it in the reverse direction. But I guess you're going through the pastoral lands, sort of um, through the food basket almost, with Mm -hmm. Clare Valley. Um, And then you almost get increasingly more um, remote and desert-like, I suppose. Um, But somehow, you know, you're still going through a lot of towns and you get a a lot of opportunity for resupply mm-hmm. and then you've got you know caravan parks in a lot of those towns as well i know some bikepacking routes don't necessarily have towns with caravan parks and resupply as well so that's you know that combination of things on the mawson makes it you know really attractive for people wanting to do that bigger trip that they've dreamed of you know that you that step of going from um overnighter to three day and then to a week um depending on like what james said you know you make it what you want Mm. um that's a really a cool trail to do that on yeah and i guess it's quite i found when i 
when I was able to do it, it was quite transformative. You mm. know, it is one of those things, um, no matter how you approach an adventure like that, it is transformative. And that's, that's cool how you can share that um, through your channels, mm. definitely. Yeah, there's very few experiences more transformative than seeing a man struggle to carry 20 kilos of nut meat up a hill on a 160 oh. kilometer day one and going to pieces and eating <laughs> two foot long subways on day two <laughs> of your seven day trip. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, you shed a lot of dignity on, on day one, especially if, you, if you're carrying too much stuff physically. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the one tip we can all, I think, agree on with the Mawson Trail is do it. Yeah. So since you've done the Mawson Trail and been more involved with the gravel side of cycling, um, you've really gotten into, well, from what we've seen, getting into the route planning and, mm -hmm. I guess, route promotion. Mm -hmm. And it's been really cool seeing some of the routes you've been putting out from mm. sort of all abilities from elite to recreational riders. Um, what motivates you to do that stuff? I think what, I, what I've done now, sort of, I guess, referring back to the Citizens Jury stuff and wanting to make content about, you know, joyful and fun experiences... I now have the channels where I can make that happen much faster. So I've got like a website that's known, you know, relatively well known in Australia and maybe relatively well known elsewhere in the world. Um, and I've just got all these channels now where I have started putting together articles, aggregating articles of routes that either I've designed completely or taken inspiration from other people, or I'm just repackaging routes that other people have designed putting them all together into articles and then just freely publishing them with guides, you know, what they're about, what sort of terrain there is, you know, resupply and all that sort of stuff. And the feedback from that has been incredible. You know, just the way people have appreciated and sort of taken on those trails and, and ridden those routes. It's, you know, that's really one of the things I get the most satisfaction out of, out of everything I do. Probably that is the most satisfying. And the routes are really good. We rode one. What was it last weekend? Yes, the potato cake burger grab extravaganza. Mosa very XL. XL, yeah, the XL. We added 30Ks onto it. Making it 100 miles, which is completely irrelevant in Australia. So we did 160Ks. And yep. shockingly, there was no potato cake burger because I know. we were too early. I know. It's, uh, there are people who have only ever done that route and don't believe me that you can even get a potato cake burger. But they got to ride it the other way and then they'll get it. I can confirm the potato cake burger does exist and it's better if you add two hash browns to it. Yeah. Variation in potato. Yeah, Consistency yeah. Consistency really makes I, all the difference. It, I think it's one of, those, one of those foods that it tastes good because you're hungry. You know, it uh, I'd, dri I'd drive for it. Would you really? Yeah, I'd drive up for it. For you, but yours is, so you've got a potato cake burger and you're adding hash browns to yeah. it. So the potato cake is like a fried mashed potato. Yeah. Then you add the hash browns. So it's like two types it's like if you got no. a, um, oh. it's like a beef and bacon burger, oh. but from potato. You're a visionary, and then you put it all inside a bun. Yeah. Wow. With mayonnaise. That is just a what? And oh. some like token salad. Oh, mate. Yep. This this is why I ride bikes now. This is exactly <laughs> why. If it wasn't for food, you know, not interested. And endless Mars bars. Endless. Oh yes. It's sports nutrition. I won't let anyone tell me it's not. So just in reference to the potato cake, if you're wanting to find the, uh, the potato cake, um, the route is sort of goes through Nan. It does. Um, and, and the potato cake burger shop, what, what's the official name of that shop? I, I, I'm going to... It's gonna... the um, Nan Takeaway and yeah. Seafood, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Seven days a week, <laughs> certified freak. I'm going to roll the dice and say the Nan Takeaway shop. Yeah. 
There's only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've, you've ridden, you've ridden, you know, a fair way out to Nan. Yeah. Um, especially if you're starting in in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, and you would have you would have climbed, you know, a decent <laughs> hill to get there as well. Um, if you st- started on the plains, uh, up over lofty. Yeah. Um, and cleverly, you know, a route like that has gone rather than just um, perhaps taking the, the straight road. You know, the first creative side of it, I suppose, is is gravel. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then there's other elements of that, which I think is it's unique to your gravel routes that you've published recently, is not only you've got gravel roads, you're kind of going through different conservation parks mm-hmm. and um, finding different bits of single track. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, that section out um, near Mylor mm. uh, in the Adelaide Hills, yeah, where you go through Cox Creek. So you're crossing a creek. Um, I did not know that was there and I didn't even think to go there. Where do you get the inspiration to kind of do that sort of? Uh, I think like a lot of it is riding with people who are very good explorers. So people who I know who live in the hills and just know them really, really well. So uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's that side of it, which is personally knowing people, but there's also, you know, some really great, we've got the gravel riding South Australia Facebook group where you know, it's just an awesome little collective of people who just share all these routes out there. And, you know, it, it's all done for the good of sort of helping other people find these amazing places. So I think you just learn over time, you know, just take inspiration from the local experts and, and just cobble them together into a bit of a greatest hits, which is kind of, uh, yeah, which is one of the, which is one of the best parts because you, you're giving someone a complete route where you've ridden it, you've had a great time and you know that anyone who does it is going to enjoy it as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I personally, I, you know, I published one on a, on a Facebook group like that. Mm, and I mm. find, you know, when you do put something together like that, you, you really mean, you mean for it, for someone else to have a yeah. great adventure. You're like, look, yeah. this is, this is like a lot of effort that I've yeah, tried yeah. To, to put in and, and figure out, you know, where would be the best way to go yeah. with this. Um, if there's anything extra that I'd like to put in this route, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you put it through a town like, um, Nan or, you know, for Mm -hmm. example, for me, I, I like my adventures down to Kaipo. Mm -hmm. Um, so here in Adelaide, we're, we're talking about, um, sort of more Eastern Hills rides. And for me, I I like my Southern Hills rides. That's where I'm located. And, um, if I can get a ride where it goes through meadows, then, you know, that's awesome to stop at a bakery there or mm. a cafe there or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So the other thing you've been putting out a lot of lately is the race photography. Yes. So it's come a long way. I've been <laughs> doing you. it for... <laughs> um, you are probably now Adelaide's most prolific <laughs> event photographer in oh, the cycling space. By bulk, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so what got you into that side of things? Is it a similar backstory to the gravel routes? Uh, yeah, so I think that um, I naturally started wanting to take better photos for the content I was making. So the reviews that I was doing and making YouTube videos, you naturally get into you know, thinking about your camera equipment, thinking about your hardware and how to make better things. And then I kind of just started showing up at the odd race with the camera, felt like an absolute fraud, you know, just a complete, you know, what the hell am I doing? Started just taking a few photos, sort of made friends with a lot of the other people who went out and took photos. 
And I gradually started, as I started sharing photos and people appreciated it, they asked to reshare, and it really just kind of got out of, out of hand where it was usually just take, take some photos, maybe process up 20 or 30, try and get them to the people who are in them and see if they want to share them. And now it's kind of ballooned into this thing where I'll do a bike race and then, you know, as soon as I can afterwards, several hours, maybe the next day, I'll put up, you know, anywhere from two to 600, a full public gallery on a Google Drive link for everybody to just muck in and, and go for it. And I think the reason why it's gotten to that extent is because I take so much joy in helping people, in, in giving people those photos. You, you, you give people these photos that, you know, nicely taken it and you just say, here it is, like, enjoy it, use it. They put it out on their socials and it, it builds the scene. You know, it's, it's the, the most effective marketing is getting everyone in the race to post about the race. And if you give them good photos, you might get people more out watching or participating. So it's a real, a real passion project now. And I, I really get a lot of, uh, a lot out of it. Yeah. You, I, I think I actually found, um, a Google Drive link the other day from, you know, 2018. It it really <laughs> yeah. did start with oh 50 photos, and they're yeah, they yeah. mainly mainly people that I think were probably closer to you. Yes, hundred you know, percent. Seen, seen perhaps ridden with them yep. or known them for a long time, and then yeah, there was there was a transition point, you know, where all of a sudden you know, James is out here taking hundreds of photos. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything in particular? that sort of sparked that from it to go like micro or macro scale to just jumbo, like just massive. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just, I think it was the appreciation that I got from it that like, you know, cause you, I think with anything that's a creative output, you're very protective of it early on. You know, it's something that you took, you put a lot of yourself into and you take it quite seriously. And you don't want to put too much of it out there in case you get, you know, negative feedback or people think it's bad. So. You have to kind of get over that but as i kind of got into it and i realized that like i don't know basically everyone wants these photos like people you know just it just kept kind of snowballing in this very organic way and i think that as i got better at it you know my hit rate got better and then you know i'm trying to leave every race with a photo of everyone which is very hard at a crit but at something like mountain biking um you know it's much easier so you kind of try and you know, have a photo of everyone that they can have. And then it, I don't know, it just, I guess I've, I've gotten good at the workflow as well, which is, I think is a huge part of photography, which is you, you get the skills up pretty quickly if you do it a lot, but then you sort of figure out the workflow a lot more and you find that you can process more good photos that are worth seeing in sort of the same amount of time. So, and if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to overdo it. That's a very consistent trend with me which is I, I don't tend to half-ass a lot of things so yeah yeah if there's one thing that really stands out about the photos is not only the quantity but also the quality <laughs> oh thank you um, <laughs> i thought that could that could have gone a very savage direction <laughs> if there's one thing that stands out there are a lot of them <laughs> uh how much of the efficiency can you credit to your standing desk um look i think that you know, number one, I, I, every, all of my successes in life derive from the bike. Number two, though, it is my very desk sit stand. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not fishing for sponsors for your podcast, if I'm honest. But, uh, mate, sit stand desk, gotta have it. I, I, I have bought. I've, if I haven't, if a workplace hasn't been willing to give me one, I've bought one 
of my own. I have one at home. I love it. Are you, are you making fun of me though, Matthew? Never, James. You know, you're not making fun of me? Never. Well, listeners, get a sit-stand desk. It'll change your life almost as much as a bicycle will. I respect anyone who can use a standing desk. Oh, really? Yeah, I could never try. I've tried to stand and work. I've even tried to sit on a stool and work. Really? Nothing. If no. I can't slouch, I can't work. Okay. <laughs> we get one of those pedal desks then. You know, those little like under desk, the little foot turny things. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, going back to the to the photos. Yes. Um, editing. Mm. I think you're well. You're volunteering most of the time, or mm-hmm. you was at least would have started volunteering mm-hmm. in the photos, right? Yeah. I think that that's a consistent theme for most cycling photographers, right? Mm. They're, mm. they're volunteers. It's very rare now to, unless they're working for a bigger company, mm-hmm. probably rare for them to be paid. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know. On the one hand, you're doing it because you love it, mm. and then on the other hand, you're like, "Wow, this is this is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. How much time do you roughly spend editing?" Oh boy. Okay, so I think that it depends on the race, but I would say editing is probably four hours at a at a fairly good rate. So if I do a criterion, so the workflow I would say is that average. On average, I'm going home with probably 2,000 photos or more. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's quite a lot. I mean, look, burst mode on a camera, it'll, it, it piles up over the course of a few hours. Um, and I think that a crit, I can get probably 250 photos out of that, edited, processed, exported, probably four, four or five hours. Um, some of the mountain biking ones I've done recently, like I think the Prospect Hill mountain bike race was probably more like six because of just how many, just how many, that, that was a gorgeous race. That, 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 those trails were so pretty. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself, I had to process a lot of photos because I, I had such a great time and I was so happy with how they came out. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, that was a 650 shot gallery out and I think I started with a nearly 4,000 on that day. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're there for four hours and you know, yeah. you've, you've got this, continuous stream of bikes i guess Mm -hmm. i guess in a crit or a road race i suppose you've got you know peloton comes past you know either like 50 times yep or they come past you know five times if you're really lucky and you go hunting yeah whereas you know mountain bike yeah you've got individuals cyclocross as well you've got um, yeah cross as well you know there's continuous stream of bikes yeah does that mean that you go if you get a photo wrong and you go like oh you know that was no good mm. do you do you notice that you'll correct it after the next one do you do you have it always on auto tune i suppose so you, if you get it wrong you go oh okay next next group is coming through i'll i should have it dialed by then yeah usually um this is quite a funny uh you know i would say that from my perspective the best shots i always take are towards the end so as cross is a good example, the warm, the sort of earlier grades, your, your lower grades, B, C grade, you know, open grade and that sort of stuff, they're kind of something of a warm up. So the photos are never quite as good early on. But by the time you're sort of through to the elites, you've figured out the angles, you've figured out the track and you've figured out the way the bikes move around on them. So just getting a sense of all of that means that kind of by the end of the day, you've got your eye in a bit better. Yeah, right. Do you, do you kind of go... 
well, is there a type of, do you kind of photograph what you think would be cool for the riders? Because obviously you ride yourself mm -hmm. and you have an idea of like, oh, that, that would look so fun to ride or <laughs> yeah. um, do, you, do you photograph to that or do you, do you pick out more of the um, composition and, and go, oh, they, that's a well composed photograph. I'll, I'll take that because I know, you know, sometimes there's some things that, you know, they feel really cool as a rider. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the photographer's on the other end and it's not translating to <laughs> what you would expect, you know, for it to feel sick, but it, it's not as, not as cool. Do you find, what strategy do you go for, perhaps? I think uh, the, the couple of things are that if you're taking a lot of photos really often, which is what I do, you need to find ways to make it interesting. And that's usually finding interesting angles, you know, different angles, something that people haven't really seen before or something that you haven't really tried before. So that's really a crucial part of it. You also want to try and give a good context to the photo. So have something, something in the foreground, then your action point, which is usually the writer, and then you know, some sort of background context that kind of, you know, it has to be like a complete package. So that's the first thing is just for your own benefits, you know, trying to, trying to make photos interesting when you do it that often. Uh, the second thing is I think you, you learn really quickly that if, if you're taking a photo that is how you see the world all the time, it's boring. So if you're just standing there at your full height, holding a camera, pointing it at something, as you would stand if you were watching the race, that's not the photo that you want to take. You want to get somewhere where you're not going to see the race and where people aren't watching the race from. That's where the best photos usually come from and the most interesting ones because people can look at it and go, oh, wow, because that's not what they see all the time. Yeah, that's, that's a super cool insight. Yeah. Do you find, just yep, on the off, off the side, I suppose, mm -hmm. do you find that, um, you know, what's your favorite discipline to photograph, do you think? Oh, you know, I've gotten, I, I really have loved mountain bike, shooting mountain biking. Yeah. You know, the terrain is so interesting. Um, the attitude that mountain bikers bring is fun as well. Like seeing the kids just absolutely send it and, you know, they ham it up for the camera so, in such a fun way. I absolutely love it. And then you've got the dads who do the same and you've got some of, some of the elites who, um, who just really love to put on a bit of a show for the camera. And, you know, I think that that attitude, that fun attitude comes out in the photos. You can see how much fun everyone's having. Also, just the beautiful sort of terrain framing it all. You know, I think mountain biking is probably the, the most fun. Is there anywhere in, in South Australia that, that's been enjoyable to shoot as well, do you think? Uh, I, I think that the Flinders, if you're, you know, you can use, your, you can use any, any camera in the Flinders and it'll look incredible, particularly yep. around Wilpina Pound. Um, favorite places though, sort of to shoot bike racing, probably Prospect Hill is one of my favorites so far, just because it's so lush and so green. Um, other than, I actually really enjoy the velodrome complex where we had the, we've had a few cyclocross races now because there's every color and there's every terrain in that place. And there's also really interesting architecture. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. That that's interesting. That's mm. a good point. Yeah. Cool. So, um, we'll wrap up on the photos side right. of things. We won't, we won't delve too far into your secrets on how to take a good photo. Um, <laughs> James is offering men mentorship. Uh, the, the secret is take 2,000 and uh, pick one, and it might be good, but who knows? <laughs> Luck. <laughs> All right. Um, so, now, what, what are you up to now? What's, what's things, how's, 
how's things going? Any big plans for the future, perhaps? Uh, I mean, you know, the thing is, I, I think it, I would be lying if I said I didn't have kind of an idea of what I'm trying to do uh, career-wise. I mean, sort of everything that I'm doing in terms of making cycling content, because a lot of what I do in the industry is not, uh, is not seen by a lot of people. I've also done, you know, independent sort of consulting, independent media work for a few brands. And I really enjoy that. And a lot of the skills that I'm developing, you know, in photography, a lot of the video work that I'm doing, um, you know, I would like to, I guess a good career goal at some point would be to make a, f a full proper living out of professional work within the bike industry, not necessarily within a brand necessarily, but, um, you know, I, I do take a lot of joy from, you know, my back, I work in marketing, that's my job and anything that I can do to bring sort of that into cycling, do a bit of, do, do a bit of work for myself. I'd love to go and do photography a bit more seriously. So yeah, I, I think that's the long-term stretch goal, but for the, for now, everything, everything I do seems to be growing. So the photography, the YouTube channel is growing. So keep on with that. And what keeps you in love with it? I think that it changes. Um, and I think that given that I'm now sort of 16 years, 16 years into the experience of riding bikes, it's that it changes probably every two to three years for me. And something comes along that, that makes it interesting again. And, you know, I think that's really what's kept me engaged in it is just that it, it is what you make of it. And there's always something coming that's new. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but uh, yeah, just keeps me interested. Cool. Now I've got some bonus questions that oh. we'll be asking all our guests. Oh, hit me. <laughs> so question one, mm -hmm. looking back, yeah. what piece of advice would you give the young James Raisin in cycling? In cycling? Ah, oh. I mean, I think it's just that like, I mean, from when I started, I think the, uh, the advice is just work hard. There's really not, you know, the things that you, you realize you can control a lot more than you think. And I think that's more young advice to a young person more than cycling advice necessarily. But, um, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to send it. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. Um, I'm a lot better than I was. I've still got a ways to go, but uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. that. Because I guess from just from reading the, the um, some of your background and also mm -hmm. just chatting to you, you know, you mentioned that cycling for you started as a, as a commute, a pretty grim commute by the sound oh, of things. Oh, horrendous. Then, I, you know, I've seen you on Strava leaderboards here yep. and there and I've seen some of the rides that you've done mm -hmm. and even just riding with you, mm. pretty strong. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, how, how did you take it from obviously you know, commuting, you'd expect no one, you, you have really not much idea. Mm. How, did, how did you get that strong, really? Just lots of consistent work or? It just, it became a full lifestyle ecosystem. So starting to ride bikes made me feel better. Yeah. So, you know, feeling better made me wanted to get healthier, which meant that I changed my diet. You know, I changed my lifestyle. I changed everything from how I used to be. And once you sort of build that, all of that collective together is kind of what makes all of that happen. So, you know, biking became a part of a, it was the inspiration for, and probably the center point of a much more broader health ecosystem that I built around it. Yeah. All right, question two, this mm. should be a good one for you. Oh. What's your local loop 
If you had to send someone on a oh. 60 to 90 minute ride around Adelaide, yeah. where would you send them? Well, if they had a gravel bike, I'd send them through Cleland. So up the Cleland, my favorite loop is just up the start of Chambers Gully onto Bartrell Spur, uh, eventually up through Stoob, across the tracks, and then down through Pioneer Women's and the, uh, the Bullock Track. That would be my, that would be probably the first one that I'd send them on. Um, local loop for road, I mean, I love the sequence of climbing Mount Osmond, going up Mount Lofty, then across and down Norton Summit. Simple, but it has a bit of everything. The views are sick, very low traffic typically as well, so you can have like a very chill day. So I think those two are probably my favorite local loops. And our last question, what do you see as the future of cycling? Oh, this might be, uh, this might be a tough one to hear, but uh, e-bikes. No, makes sense. Yeah, the great I, enabler. Yeah, e for enable. Hundred percent. E bikes will change the can change the way the world moves rather than you know cycling as a as a performance thing or you know I do really think that e bikes are just going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened to cycling. In uh, in what capacity do you think that e bikes are the future? So, do you think that e bikes would be what we're all racing on as well, or? <laughs> Is it more how we explore and just get fit? Is what what the capacity e-bikes? So I think that e-bikes appeal to a category of of people who want to move more easily and more efficiently, and that's sort of a much bigger thing than the act of you know recreational riding. Um, and you know I think that that people who wouldn't take up a bike under any other circumstances can get on an e-bike, and that can be you know, the, the funnel into riding other kinds of bike or even, even not getting them out of cars, getting them moving differently, you know, as a sort of macro goal rather than, you know, the traditional route that a lot of people take into cycling for, for fitness or, you know, for competition. So yeah, it's a revolution in human movement. Nice. Um, I guess you, I, I, I picked up on a nice one you, you said before, that you know you've been in this sport for 16 years mm-hmm. um and then over time you know every three to four years you see stuff change mm-hmm. um i guess in that time i would say we're in the the, the gravel phase mm-hmm. would, that, would that be fair to say yeah i think so yeah. for sure it's probably i mean the two areas of the industry that are booming are e-bikes and and gravel bikes you know there's it's a huge huge market Probably it'll start to plateau probably in a, in a year or two because, you know, everyone will enter it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that definitely is the, that's the age. Also, the media is obsessed with it. You know, it's, ge- it's a genuine career path now for pros, retired pros moving into gravel scene. Yeah, for sure. So you've, I guess what, what would you say then we've come from? If we've, we've gone into gravel, what, what was before that? I think probably more of a road a road only sort of scene. Yeah. Uh, I think that was particularly in Australia being a very a very urban city focused country. I think we were all, you know, the scene was huge for road bikes. And I think a lot of those people are starting to transition onto, you know, off road now. And I think that the people who managed to stick with it through the kind of rise and fall in Australia um, have ended up looking for those new experiences. And it's gravel bikepacking because, you know, there's also not only is it very enjoyable, but it's familiar enough to road cyclists. But the gravel bike is also a very useful one in general. You know, there's really not much a gravel bike can't do. Yeah, you can pretty much take it anywhere. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's everything we've got for 
this episode. Oh, I've given you some. I've given you an editing challenge. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, excellent. Thanks for your time, James. No, thank you for having me. It's been it's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thank you. The All Terrain Archive is brought to you by Gravier Cycle Collective. You can find us on Instagram at allterrain.archive. You can listen to us on all your favourite podcast platforms.